0: which is Psalm chapter 40. If you remember a few weeks back when we started musing, meditating on this great psalm, Psalm 40 is an exuberant psalm of all-out praise to God for the fact of His delivering grace and mercy which rescued David from an otherwise impossible escape. The overall theme of this psalm is the reward and renewal of waiting on God. In verses 6 through 10, we see David in the aftermath of God's delivering grace, offering to the Lord the only right and logical sacrifice, which is himself. Moreover, David doesn't keep such a work of God's grace to himself, but in the great congregation of God's people as he reports, he tells the glad news of God's deliverance. Two things specifically that we want to draw out of this. In the first place, we notice David's dedication. David's dedication in verses 6 through there can be only one right response David has to the Lord for what the Lord provided. It is not mere ritual, ceremonial offerings, but the wholehearted dedication of a life devoted to God. And yet such a God-glorifying dedication Is in itself a work of God's grace. So David says here, you, speaking to the Lord, you have given me an open ear. You have given me an open ear. By an open ear is meant a hearing to obey. So David's devotion to the Lord is not merely the raw determination of David's will but it is the reciprocation to God's inward work of grace. Think of how this same truth is echoed in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13. Just look at that for a moment, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. This should be a familiar passage of Scripture to many of you if you've been Christians for a great length of time. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both... To will and to work for his good pleasure. There are no two verses in the entire, in the entire account of God's holy word that, that sum up in such a, a, a wonderfully clear way what the doctrine of sanctification is. We see our responsibility... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But we also see that it's not just what we're doing. What we're doing is in response to what God is already working in us. We are reciprocating. In fact, it's interesting that the verb translated here, work, where Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, that verb, work, is used in what's called the reciprocal middle voice. So this is not something that we're doing as Christians on our own, in our own strength, in our own power. No. No, this is is how we are actually responding with a wholehearted reliance upon the Lord's power working in us. And so hence, Paul says in verse 13, "...for..." That's a very important little word there for the conjunction gar. He's qualifying. Qualifying. So how do you work it out? Well, it's in this way. God is already at work in you. God is already at work in you. And what he's working in you is this. Look at at what he says here. God's working in you both to will and to work. So, the willing and the working on our part is energized because the, the verb translated there work for God, for it is God who works, that's ergon. That's where we get the word energy from. So, you know, God is energizing you by his divine power, and he's energizing you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what is that, what's that teaching us? What, what is that reminding us of always? It's this, the Christian life is a supernatural life. It's a supernatural life. You can only live this life in a supernatural way. So, so it, it's, it's not a life, <laughs> it's not the kind of life that Benjamin Franklin tried to live every year. You know, Franklin, one of his, one of his practices was is that every year he would work on one vice in his life to get rid of. And so he made his yearly resolutions to do this and not do that. Well, a lot of unbelievers do that. But that's not how the Christian lives. Because the life that we've been given in Christ is a life that can only be lived... By the power of Christ. And so then we come back to Psalm 40. And David, he says in verse 6, In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. But you have given me. You have given me. This is a gift of grace. You have given me an open ear. Which as I said, represents a hearing to obey a hearing to obey the grace to take heed to the grace to yield ourselves to God's commands is just that it is the, it's a gift of God's grace it's just not something where you, know, you just try harder and do better and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with life no that's moralism that's moralism And that is dangerous. And there are a lot of pulpits in this country that teach the gospel of moralism. And that completely wipes out the fact that the Christian life is a supernatural life. What did our Lord Jesus say? John chapter 15, verse 5. Without me, you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing, which Luther would say means no thing. Okay? Nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. In the second place, not only do we notice David's dedication out of this text, but we also notice, secondly, David's proclamation. David's proclamation. And we see that in verses 9 and 10. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Here is an important biblical principle. Don't ever forget this. We will praise what we prize. We will praise what we prize. You will tell effortlessly, freely to others that which you prize the most in your heart. Maybe it's your kids, if you have kids, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's things like sports or politics or... I mean, there's, there's a litany of things. A litany of things that perhaps our hearts gravitate toward. Things we prize, things we treasure. Well, mark it down, whatever that is, that's what you're gonna be talking the most about. That's what you're going to be talking the most about. We will praise what we prize. So then we see David expressing. I have told. I have not restrained. I have not hidden. I have spoken. I have not concealed. What? What is he not concealing? What is he not hiding? What is he telling? He's telling of the deliverance. Of what God has done. In verse 10, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Beloved, when was the last time you told of the Lord's faithfulness, of the Lord's steadfast love toward you, to others? When was the last time that you actually bore witness to the truth of what God has done for you in Christ? When? When? I was given the opportunity just a few weeks ago in that interview that I had the joy of being a part of on Exposite the Word podcast where the second question that David Knight posed to me was, So, Kurt, tell us how did you become a Christian? I thought, wow. I haven't been asked that in a long time. (laughs) But what a joy it was. What a joy it was to be able to retell, to retestify what the Lord in his mercy and grace had done for little old me. How he drew me to himself and the circumstances that surrounded that and Telling of what God has done. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, in chapter 1 of his epistle to the Romans, verse 15, he says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel I'm eager to preach it to you also why because I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed the next three Sundays here I'll be preaching three sermons on that very text Romans 1 16 to answer this question why was Paul not ashamed why was he not ashamed it's going to take us three weeks to answer that. But my question to all of you this morning as fellow Christians is this. Are you ashamed? I mean, can, can, can you say with Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel? There are a lot of things I know that we're not ashamed of. And it's those things we talk about the most. It's those things we bear witness to the most. It's those things we prize. The things we prize. David was not ashamed of what God had done for David. He was not ashamed. And so he did not hold back. He did not conceal. His faith was not a private faith. It was very public And so he was eager to tell to the great congregation, this is what the Lord has done for me. Well, beloved, may God give us the same spirit, may God give us the same grace like David, like Paul, that we would not conceal, we would not hide, we would not keep it to ourselves. Because if you're a Christian, I mean, if you're a bona fide Christian, you have a testimony. You have a testimony. When was the last time you actually shared that? You see, that's the challenge that Psalm 40 and verses 9 and 10 impresses on our hearts. When was the last time you testified of God's deliverance of your soul in your life to His glory. Hmm. Let's pray. Our blessed Father, what a wonder, what a marvel, your saving grace truly is rescuing us Lord from what we could never save ourselves from in and of ourselves blessed father we we confess and we do so eagerly and with great humility we had no hope and yet Lord you visited us at a certain time a certain place in the course of our lives, calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light that we would, as your word says, proclaim your praises. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times we have not done so. Forgive us for every time that we have concealed, we have hidden, We have kept our mouths shut when they should have been wide open, exalting your greatness, boasting in the glory of who you are and what you have done to save such wretched sinners as we are. Forgive us, Lord, for every time that we have been ashamed. We pray this morning in response to what we have mused upon in Psalm chapter 40 that we will open both our hearts and our mouths wide to others who have yet to hear the glory and the grandeur of what you have done in saving even us by the work, the finished work of your eternal Son made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Indeed, Father, we pray that that same great sanctifying grace that we see and read in David, your servant, and even in Paul, the apostle, that grace that enlarged their hearts shamelessly to, to tell all, not just a few, but all of your delivering mercy in their lives, Lord, may it be found with us and may we act upon it because, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of all our praise and you are worthy for us to tell others of such infinite boundless, measureless greatness that is yours, our great eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for the daily inner working of grace that we have by the indwelling Spirit of God working in us, everything we need to will and to do for your good pleasure. And Father, we just humbly pray that that we will exercise a greater dependence, a greater trust, a greater wholehearted reliance upon you to live this life that you have given us in Christ and you've called us to live unto your glory in all things. Plead, Holy Father, for such things today in the name and for the sake and the honor of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.